Listen, we're going to talk today real quick about uh, the scripture where it talks about Emmanuel. God is with us. Let's read the scripture. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him, say it with me, Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That's, that's what Emmanuel means. It was nice of him to go ahead and give us the definition without us having tried to look it up. But Emmanuel means God is with us. And as we talk today, just real quick about this, I want you to understand, a lot of times we read this scripture and we always think about where we are right now, that we know that God is with us and it's true. He's with us. We're going to read a scripture in a minute that talks about he never leaves us, he never forsakes us. But I want you to understand the importance of what this means even in a deeper way. And I hinted around to it earlier. We had no, there's no way we could have met all the criteria to have this relationship with God that we have. So do you know what took place? Is he came to us. I mean, think about it. God, Jesus, the son of God, left everything in heaven, left it all. And he came down here to where we were. And he lived with us. He came down in the flesh. Jesus became flesh. In other words, God became human. Made that choice that the only way I can really reach them is to go down where they are. And that's what, that's what Jesus did. Let me read you just a few scriptures about, about God becoming man. Look at John 1, chapter 14. So the word became human. And made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We have seen his glory in the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Look at uh, Philippians 2. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a what? Human being. He, was, he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. So we're seeing again where Jesus came and he became human. He, he left everything, became human. Why? Because of his love for us. Because of his love for us. So God was with us in the sense he came to us. Now the good news is he's always with us now. But this whole thing started with God. This whole thing started with God. You, there's no, you know, I've heard people say, man, I, but I found God. Actually, he found you. He found, he came to you. He came, he did his part. And for us, when we find Jesus or receive Jesus, it's because he's manifested. He's done everything. We just receive what he's already done. But he came, and he came as a human. Look at this other scripture, Galatians 4.4. 4. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. In other words, just as a regular man in the times that he was born in. And then look at this last scripture. 1 Timothy 3.16, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. Okay, listen, God manifested in the flesh. That's when Jesus came, manifested God. So here's what I'm trying to let you understand. When we talk about Jesus, we are talking about, and this is where it gets confusing, we're talking about God. You know, he was fully God, but yet he was fully man. 
So he was fully God, and he came as a man. He came to live our life, to be with us, to understand, to help us understand that when he lived his life and he conquered this life, that to, to give us strength to know, hey, you can do it. He's the, we'll get to a verse in a minute that talks about he understands the, the things you go through because he came as a man and he went through them as well. So that we have a lot of hope to know that this Jesus wasn't just a baby. It wasn't just a human. He came in human form. But he was God. And he came in human form. If you remember last week, we talked about the, the wise men. And when the wise men came and they found Jesus, they knelt down, they worshiped God, and they gave the, the gifts. We go to Frankincense and more. But they worshiped God. He was a baby, and they're worshiping Jesus as a baby. Jesus had not done anything at that moment except just do what a baby does. He hadn't done any miracles. He hadn't. Died on the cross, he hasn't done all that. But they worshipped him even as a baby because they knew this is the Savior of the world. And a lot of people, you know, I want you to know, he, he didn't just, one day I will be the Savior. He was born the Savior of the world. He was born Emmanuel, God with us. He was born, Isaiah 9, 6 talks about the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Jesus was born that. He didn't, he wasn't born and then somehow became that. That's who he was. So I want us to make sure that we understand when we talk about the Jesus and this, the gift of Jesus and the baby and the manger, all this stuff, we are still talking about the Son of God. The Son of God who takes away the sins of the world, who came to give exceeding great joy, who came to give peace on earth. That's who we're talking about. So I want you to just be reminded as we go through this that he became flesh. So when we talk about this baby, we're talking about God. And he grew up to fulfill everything that God had for him. He was Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Look to your neighbor and say, God is with you. Look at that person behind you and say, God is with you. <laughs> I love doing that. I love doing that. They weren't looking at you, were they? They were, they were looking behind you. Ah. Yep, nothing like talking to the back of their head. Okay, just a little fun we're having. All right, now let me explain a couple of things as far as understanding that God is with us. What, how do we look at that today? What does that mean today? We know that God came. We know that this Christmas season that we represent is deeper than what we initially sometimes think about Christmas being. But what does it mean? And even this week as I was studying, I got thinking about how my life would be different if I really understood that God is with me all the time. How would your life be different? Think of it this way. Curtis, come here. Welcome to grown-up service. I know. But let's say, let's say that Curtis is God. I know, I know. Go with me, though. Let's just say... Let's say that Curtis is God, okay? Now, I know that God is with me, but if I'm over here and I'm living my life and I don't really see God, I mean, I know he's with me, but I don't really see him. Then when I'm faced with difficulty, I'm going through challenges or I'm facing struggles of any way, I don't necessarily see him. So sometimes I can struggle. I can wonder like, oh, man. But, but if I really understand and if I could see God and, and, and have that same circumstance come, 
and then be able to say, man, I don't know what to do. But then to realize he knows what to do, and he's with me. All of a sudden, the fear, the worry, the trying to figure it out. I mean, this God that says he's with you always, Matthew 28, 20 says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. I am with you always. And this is the God who knows everything. This is the God who nothing even came to be until he said it. Let there be and there was. I still love the fact that he created light before he created the sun. Like, how do you do that? Like, where did the light come from before the sun? Where, where did it come from? That's how awesome God is. And this is the God that if we can recognize he's with us every day, we're going to look at life different. When you face a challenge, sometimes the reason we get so caught up and so worried and so ooh, panicked is because we forget who's with us. Listen, if I'm driving somewhere and I have someone with me that knows where we're going, it would be crazy for me to get lost. You know that? But it happens. You can sit down. It would be crazy to get lost if I'm driving. Let's say, let's say we're going to a restaurant and you've been there before and I haven't. And you're in the car and I'm driving around. I cannot find this place. And I just keep driving and I just keep driving. At some point you would think, you know, you shouldn't have to have a, an angel show up or a word from God that says, ask your passenger. They know. You shouldn't have to do that, but, but sometimes that's how we live our life spiritually. We go through and we find ourselves, oh, I don't know, I, I, made, I, I tried this way, that didn't work, I tried this way, I tried this way, and the whole time we haven't, we haven't reminded ourselves that God is with us. What a difference it would make. What a difference it would make to know that God is with us. If we know God is with us, then it doesn't matter when we face difficulty. You know why? Because you can, you can make it if you remember God is with you. Look at Joshua 1.9. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Then he tells you why. Because you could say, well, how can I not be afraid? You don't understand what I'm going through. How can I not be discouraged? Read the rest of the verse. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. The Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. That's an encouraging word to you. That's an encouraging scripture that you should meditate on day after day to know I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be worried because God is with me and he goes with me wherever I go. He's with me. Now, on this note, let me help you. There's one thing that hopefully you recognized in this church. We do not pray for God to show up on Sunday. You know why? Because wherever you are, he's there. So what if I came to you and said, hey, once you come to church today, you will look at me and say, I'm at church. Oh, okay. And I understand what people mean sometimes, but really it's not about God showing up. It's about us getting out of the way and let God do what he wants to do. 
But he's with us. He's with you. Wherever you go, you have the Lord. So you, you have access to everything you need. Look at Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you <clears throat> nor forsake you. Never. That's his promise to you. He will never leave you, never forsake you. So we, we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not, what? Fear. I will not fear. Now, this doesn't mean that you will never experience a feeling of fear. Okay? It doesn't mean that. Listen, we went to uh, Carowinds one day, me and Chase, and we talk, he talked me into going on the slingshot, which all that is is you just sit on a chair, and you have this harness around you, but there's no cage, there's no roll bars around you, and basically they just slingshot you straight up. 300 some feet. And I'm telling you, when, when I'm looking and I'm just laying like this and there's nothing in front of me but this harness and I'm already weighing like 160 pounds, I, <laughs> y'all trying to say? Okay, a little, little bit more. Um, but I'm laying there thinking, when this thing goes and it gets fully stretched, I hope I don't keep going. I can just see that belt just, and then I'm like, hey, Jesus. I got here early, I know, but I wasn't buckled in good. So be with my family. But you know what? I, as soon as it took off, I'm telling you, fear, it wasn't like, huh, oh, we, no. I was like, huh. Oh. And the only thing that prevented me from crying was there's a camera. So you're trying to play it off. Ha! Woo! On the inside, Jesus! Stop it! Why? Because fear will try to creep up on you. So it's not like you'll never experience the feeling of fear. But you can be reminded that this fear does not have to stay here because I have the Lord with me everywhere I go. Right? Right? So listen, don't live in fear. When you, when you feel it, recognize it. And say, you know what, right now, I'm fearful. What do I need to do? I need to remind myself. It doesn't come from God. God has not given us a spirit of fear. But power, love, and a sound mind. Let me use this sound mind he's given me to remind myself what his word says. The Lord is with you wherever you go. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That will help you. It will help you walk through those times where, where you're a little nervous. You're a little fearful. What's going to happen? But you know you got the Lord with you. Psalms 27.1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Listen, he's your strength. Remember the scripture that says, in your weakness, his strength is perfect. That, he's with you. Your strength. He's with you wherever you go. No need to fret. No need to worry. Let's keep going. Psalms 118.6. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? I will not fear. Yeah, but people are against you. But Jesus isn't. I've had people that weren't on my side. But Jesus is. I've had people upset with me because I want to make the right decision. 
And they think, well, it should be this way. I don't agree. Da, da, da. But guess what? When it all comes down to it, God is on my side. And if everyone else is against me, but I, but I have God on my side, I win. He just, he unbalances the team. I mean, if you have God, you automatically win. Remember, you know, you play those sports and you're picking teams. You always try to pick the best person. And you're like, okay, I'll take God. The other team might as well just not even pick anybody because you've lost. God is always victorious, and he's on our side. Look at Isaiah 43. But now, Jacob, listen to the Lord which created you, O Israel, the one who formed you, says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Savior means he saves you. He rescues you. Now, here's, the, here's one of the things that really uh, stood out to me. And we're going to talk about this real quick. I want to give you a few examples. Curtis, I'm going to need you back up here. And Jonathan, could you, can I borrow you too? All right, you stand over there. Jonathan, you stand over here. Jonathan, you'll be God this time. Let's say this is God. Okay, and here's Curtis, and he's going through a difficult time. Most of the time, when we face difficulty, spiritually, this is what we do. We try to run over here. Help me, help me, help me, help me. Because what? We want to get out of the situation, right? Here's what God is saying. All right, now you go this way. Sometimes you don't get out of your situation. You just need to recognize you're not in it alone. See, we always look at it. We find ourselves in this situation like, oh, man, I just can't. God, God. And we want to run. We get, Rescue me. Get me out of this. Get me out of this. But here's the deal. You're going to see in Scripture, there's a lot of times people went through difficulty, but God was there. God was there in the difficulty. In D Daniel chapter 3, the, the three Hebrew children that were thrown in the fire furnace, you remember what the king said when he looked in? He's like, whoa, wait, wait, wait. We threw in, three in? There's four. And the fourth one looks like, looks like it's like God, the son of God. Okay, so were the three still in the fire? Yes. But Jesus was there with them. They were protected. Remember Daniel in the lion's den? Look at Daniel 6. I think I got this up on the screen. And very early the next morning, this is after Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. The king comes and checks on him and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve faithful, able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. <clears throat> Here's what I want you to understand. Daniel was still thrown in the lion's den. And so many times we feel like we should never go through any difficulty. And, it, and, and oh, God, save me from this, save me from this, save me from this. But sometimes God's going to save you in it. And he's going to protect you in it. You're going to go through difficult times. But sometimes instead of feeling like you always got to, you know, you can never go through something difficult or something's wrong. Here's the promise that even in your difficult moments, 
God is there. When you face that time, God is there. When the, when the job thing changes, God is there. When you can't figure out how to get along with this person that's coming for Christmas, God is there. Right? So again, head back over here for a second. Again, sometimes this is what we always want as believers. We always want that. Go ahead. We always want that. We always want, I, I want to add to this, God. I want to add to this. But sometimes, back over here, sometimes this, sometimes this is where growth happens. This is where endurance happens. This is where patience happens. This is where that stuff that James talks about when you face difficulty, that it produces patience and endurance to perfect you and to help you. But we never want to go through any difficulty, and we always try to find ways out. And sometimes what we need to do is instead of trying to find that way out to understand, I'm still going to be okay because God is with me. He will find the way out. You see what I'm saying? Does it make sense? You guys can sit down. God is with us in the difficulty. In Acts chapter 12, Peter was thrown in prison, and he's shackled between guards. And, and all of a sudden, an angel shows up. The church was praying for him. An angel shows up, wakes him up, walks him right out of the prison. But was, was Peter in prison? Yes. Did Paul get beat? Yes. Did he get shipwrecked? Yes. Did he go through all kinds of difficult situations? Yes. Did he spend years in jail? Yes. But was God with him? Yes. Through it all. And he made a difference in people's lives in those difficult moments. If you remember Joseph, Joseph, you know, he, was, he had this promise, this vision from God, this dream that, that he was going to be in this place of authority. And even his family was going to bow before him. And, and they hated him because of that. So they sold him, and they were going to kill him. They tried all this stuff, and he ends up, you know, at, at Potiphar's house. He's, he ends up at this guy's house. He was innocently accused of something. So now he's thrown in prison. And, and everything that the Lord spoke to him in this dream, everything happening looks like it's never going to happen. There's no way. He told me I was going to be in this place, and next thing you know, my brothers hate me. They're going to kill me. They decide to sell me. Then I end up at... At, at Potiphar's house, and then his wife accuses me of stuff, and now they're throwing me in jail. And now I'm standing here in prison for something I didn't do, but yet I'm supposed to be some guy that one day is going to be in some authority? And years are going by, and it's not happening? How frustrating. But all through that story in Genesis 39 and 40 and 41, 42, all through that, you, you continue to see this phrase, but the Lord was with Joseph. But the Lord was with Joseph. And in, in, in verse uh, Genesis 39, uh, verse 21, it says, The Lord was with Joseph in the prison. The Lord, it didn't say the Lord got him out of prison. It says the Lord was with him in prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph, made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. So now Joseph is now having favor even in a situation that's difficult, God is still manifesting his love. He's still manifesting his kindness. He's still manifesting his faithfulness. But it wasn't by never going through anything. But it's the fact that even when you go through it, there's some peace that can come when you remember God is with me. Even in the difficulty. God is with you. And he will help you 
and he will find a way out. This isn't in your notes, but in Psalms uh, 77, I think it's verse 19 or 20, it talks about there was a road that led through the sea. It's talking about Moses. And it says there was a a road that led through the sea, and then it says this, a road that no one knew was there. In the New Living Translation, that's how it says it, a road that no one knew was there. But can I just tell you something? God knew the whole time what his plan was. So when Moses is being chased by the enemy and he comes up to the Red Sea, his first thought could be, "Uh uh-oh, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. There's no way we can swim all the way across there. We're in trouble. But see, God had a plan the whole time. And Moses could have stopped when they were getting close and it's like, you know what, forget it, guys. Just forget it. We're done. But when he got up to the Red Sea, then, then the Lord spoke to him. He's going to strike the water. And he did. And what happened? It opened up. That path, God knew about the whole time. God knew about the whole time. There's a scripture that says, even when you face temptation, listen, God knows it. And he would never allow you to be tempted more than what you can handle. And then he says this, God will always, always make a way for you. Always. That's the God that we serve. That's the God who's with us that says, listen, I know how to get out of here. You're lost. Let me tell you. Let me navigate you. I will be your helper. Let me lead you through. And you'll make it. Because we are going to go through times that are difficult. I wish I could tell you, guess what? Give your life to Jesus. You are problem free. There's going to be stuff. But here's the deal. You have a solution to every problem. Everyone. You need wisdom? Ask. Ask who? Ask the God that's right there with you. And you know what it says he'll do? He'll generously give it to you. He'll generously give it to you. Why? Because he cares for you. He loves you. And then in Matthew 14, I love this story. In Matthew 14, here's... Here's the disciples. They just finished feeding the 5,000. That whole miracle had just happened. They're going out. Jesus went to pray. He kind of got away to pray. The disciples are in their boat, and they're, they're going out, and they're out in the sea. And let's look at verse 24. It says, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. All right? About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified in their fear, and they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, he said, take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat, walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified, began to sink. Save me, Lord, and he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out, grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. So listen, that whole story, until that last verse, everything was happening in the midst of the storm. They're in the boat. There's a storm. Jesus comes walking on the water. It's still storming. Jesus talks to the disciples. It's still storming. Peter responds to Jesus. It's still storming. Jesus tells Peter, come on. Peter gets over the side of the boat, and the storm is still going. Right? 
We like to think that Jesus calmed everything and said, okay, Peter, now come. No, it was in the midst of storm was still happening. And he gets and he crosses and he steps out of the boat and he begins to walk on water. And when, when did he go under? Go back to that verse, uh, I think it's 28 or 30, try verse 30. When he saw the strong wind and the wave. So here he is. He is walking on water in a storm. Fierce winds, big waves, and he's walking on the water. And when he looked and he saw the waves and he switched his focus, that's when he went down. And because of Jesus' love, he, he picked him up. Jesus wasn't like, should have kept looking. He didn't do that. He picked him up and he saved him. They got back in the boat and the storm calmed. Listen, here's, here's, here's what that speaks to me. And I did, a, I did a journal entry on this just last week and I shared it with the staff in my devotion. But this is what I realized in that. If your eyes are on Jesus... Your storm isn't near as big. But if your eyes are on the storm, Jesus isn't near as big. And what we want to do is we always look at the storm and we want out of the storm. And I'm telling you, the way you can get through the storm is put your eyes on Jesus and you'll be able to do all the miraculous things he told you even in the midst of it. Peter walked on water in a storm. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus. And we have to know that God is with us. Therefore, I can do whatever. And I don't have to have this perfect scenario where everything falls into place for God to be able to do something in me or through me. If I just keep my eyes on him, then even in the midst of all I'm going through right now, it'll seem so small in comparison to how big my God is. But the opposite is true. If you just look at your storm and that's your focus, then you're missing out on how big your God is. And that's, that's, what, that's what I want to help you with today, to understand that we go through those times and in those times God is with us. There's way more in, in the scripture about times where you're going through something difficult. People went through some very difficult things and God was with them through it all. He didn't just show up at the end and get them out. He was with them even when they were in it. And he always provided a way out. All right, so when we know God is with us, we can make it through challenges. And then we also know that if he's with us, we can talk to him. And he listens to us. He hears us. You know, I, I, I just personally, and I'm not judging you, but I just know, you know what, we don't, in general, I don't think prayer is, um, I don't think we're praying enough. And I, I can't judge you individually, but I know for me, I'm, I'm praying a lot more now. And I still have a lot more to do. But I can't tell you how many times that someone has talked to me about a situation, I'm going through this, and if I ask them this question, are you praying? I mean, well, I mean, I mean yeah, God knows what I'm going through. No, no. Like, are you praying? Well, I mean, I, mean, I pray. And I pray every day. But you know a lot of strong believers, you know what their prayer life consists of? Father, thank you for this food. In Jesus' name, amen. 
I'm talking about the prayer that you wake up in the morning and you start your day conversing with a God who's right there with you. When your eyes open that you recognize, hey, I'm not alone today. God, what are we going to do today? Lead me today. Lord, help me today. Today I want to honor you. And because you're with me, you can help me know what, what that looks like. How can I honor you? How would this decision honor you? See, if we recognize God is with us and that he hears us, I'm telling you, we would make different decisions. We would make different decisions individually. We would make different decisions as husbands, as wives, as kids, as parents, as business people. Do you know you can't cheat somebody out of money if you really know God is with you and you want to honor him? You know that? Because you're going to do what honors the Lord. But why do we struggle sometimes? We make bad, ah, oh, I shouldn't have made that decision. What was I thinking? You know, it's not that you were thinking, but you, all you were thinking was, well, you had the ability to think. But you have God with you. And sometimes a decision that you feel like might be bad is a decision that God says, whoa, 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 ask me. Because you may think, you may think that this road looks so much better, but what you don't know is that road leads to a dead end. And it's really nice in the beginning, but once you get in, you realize it's a dead end. And this road that seems to be a little rocky and it seems to be a lot more dirt on it, sometimes you realize, whoa, that takes me exactly to the place where God wants me to be. We have to make sure that we are focused on God and let him speak to us because he does want to speak to us and he does want to talk to us. Look at uh, Psalms 37, verse 4 and 5. Take delight in the Lord. He will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. See, a lot of people look at that scripture, delight in the Lord, he'll give you your heart's desires. Well, here's the deal. It has to be in that order. Because if you delight in him, your heart's desires are going to line up with his. See, I've had people use that scripture. The Bible says if you... Delight in the Lord, he'll give you what you want. And I asked for this, and I didn't get it. Well, delight is actually like, it's a little more than like, hey, God, how you doing? I want this. Delight means you are pursuing God, and you're in relationship with him. And, and you're, you're listening, you're connecting with God. And, you, and he's, he's reverent to you. He's first in your life. He's important to you. And when you do that, all of a sudden, your heart's desires change. I'm living proof. Two of the things I said I'd never do in my life, I'm doing. I'd never plan a church and I would never be a lead pastor. But can I tell you the day that I did it, it was my heart's desire. Why? Because I delighted in the Lord. I said, God, whatever you want. And all of a sudden, what I said I would never do, I was excited. Like, man, you know what I'm going to do? And everybody remembered, I thought you never wanted to. I didn't. My heart changed. Why? Because I'm focused on God. So my prayers changed. Now my prayers are like, Lord, lead me in this. Help me in this. Lord, we're gonna, this is gonna, this, you're going to do a great job. This is going to be fun. This is going to be exciting. Yes, it's going to have its ups and downs. Yes, it's going to have moments of difficulty. But you know what? I, I'm here. Why, why did that happen? Because <clears throat> my life was centered on the Lord. So my desires became his desires. That's when those prayers are answered. Look at 1 John 5, 14 and 15. We are confident he hears us whenever we ask anything that, say it, pleases him. So someone pulls you off in the, someone pulls out in front of you, 
Lord, give him a flat tire. Anybody else ever said that? <laughs> Just me, huh? It was a long time ago. It's a long time ago. And I finished it up with, here I am, Lord, use me. No, just kidding. I didn't do that. I'm just kidding. It's a joke. It's not even funny. Um, But listen, sometimes, you know, when you're frustrated and you just say something, Lord, will you just, uh, you better be glad God doesn't answer all your prayers the way you want them to. Because your life would be miserable if God answered every prayer the way you want him to. That's why he says, when you pray for the things that please me, when you pray according to this word, this is what it means. If you see in the word that Jesus came to give you life and life more abundantly, that Jesus came by the stripes on Jesus, you are healed. If you see that he wants to provide for you, then you pray those things that line up with his word. You pray those things with faith because he says, this is what pleases the Lord. This is what pleases the Lord. And when you pray this way, according to his will and according to his word, you will have the things you pray for. Well, I don't know what his will is. Then you do what Romans says. Romans 12 says to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him. That's your reasonable act of service. Do not be conformed to the world. Be transformed by letting God renew your mind. Then you will know his good, perfect, and pleasing will. Is it possible to know the will of God? Absolutely it is. See, we, we've been, you know, I'm not saying that if you don't know, you can't say, Lord, just Lord, lead me in your will. I'm not sure exactly what. But I'm telling you, do not feel like you can just always throw out this, Lord, whatever your will, let it happen. And then you think whatever happens is God's will. That's not always true. Just because it happens doesn't mean it's God's will. It's God's desire that none would perish, that all would come to know him. Yet that's not happening. It's God's desire that, there's, that, that we live at peace with one another, and that's not always happening. But just because something happens, we can't always blame God. We have to let God renew our mind, and then we'll know what is his will and what's not. And when we know his will, we pray that way. We pray that way. Since we know he hears us, we can make our requests, and we also know that he'll give us what we ask for when it lines up with the word. James 4 Verse 3 says, when you ask and you don't get, it's because your motives are wrong. You only want what gives you pleasure. And that's why sometimes we pray and say, Lord, you're not answering my prayer. Well, that's because you're praying something selfish. And that doesn't line up with the word. Can I tell you, the reason why God wants you to not pray for those things that are, that are just for your own pleasure but don't line up with the word is because if you read the scripture, you're going to find out. God's going to take care of you. He's saying, listen, I want to use you to help other people. And all you want to do is, Lord, do this for me, do this for me, do this for me. And God's like, listen, I got you already. I've already said that. I will meet every need. I will provide for you. The righteous will not be forsaken. I got you. But I want to use you not just to do something in you, but I also want to do something through you. And sometimes maybe I want to do some things in you and put you in places and opportunities that you minister to other people. And we can't always just look at life like it's all about me. God is about you. 
But he also wants to not just do stuff in you, but he also wants to do stuff through you towards other people. So pray, but pray not just what you want, but what God wants. I'll be honest, can that be a nervous prayer? Yeah. You ever had those people that thought, I just said, Lord, do whatever you want with my life. Except, then you list off some stuff. But what is this, Lord, whatever you want. You're with me? Tell me what you want me to do. Lead me today. Lead me. And he will. He will. And then finally, the last one, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. So then we have a high priest who entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours, Jesus, he understands our weaknesses. For he faced all of the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. Let me stay on that verse for a minute. Think about this. We need help in our life. And there is someone who walked life and never sinned, never failed, never fail. And he's with us. That's what I'm talking about when you have someone in your car that knows how to do something and you don't. And you, and you, you wonder how frustrating it is when you're lost and you can't figure your way, but the person with you knows exactly. That's frustrating. But listen, we have the Spirit of God. We have Jesus in our life, and he'll never leave us. And he went through everything you'll face. He faced temptation. And listen, he faced an all-out, straight-up temptation between the devil himself. Not just a little, oh, you're in a bad situation, and you're tempted to get angry. The devil himself was coming after Jesus. At a time when Jesus hadn't eaten, he was fasting for 40 days. Imagine, imagine that. Listen, I don't know about you, but if I miss a meal or two, I'm going to get pretty cranky. I may not operate in the exact will of God after missing four or five days of meals. Unless the Lord tells me to. I have fasted that long, but I mean as far as if, if it's not of the Lord and I just don't eat, at some point, you know, you're going to need to get me something. You ever seen that Snickers commercial? Everybody's getting all mad. You throw my Snickers, they change into like a real, real nice person. But, but see, Jesus is the one. He didn't sin. He knows, how to, he knows how to conquer this stuff. He knows how to walk in victory. He knows how to win every time. He knows how to stay standing when the temptation is to do something different. He knows how to do it. And he's with us all the time. Why can we not depend on him? Why would we not? For you to think you can do it, he's saying, listen, he understands our weaknesses. In other words, he's letting you know, I understand your weakness. What you need to do is understand your weakness. That's what we all need to do. Understand your weakness because in our weakness, his strength is perfect. So let's all understand. Look to your neighbor and say, you're weak. Right. And just so you feel better, look back at them and say, well, you are too. <laughs> but it's in that weakness that the strength of God can manifest. And, and, and our high priest, Jesus, accomplished victory in those areas. 
and he didn't sin. Let's go to the, last, the next verse. So, because of that, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Let us come before him. We'll, re we'll receive mercy and grace to help us when we need it the most. Listen, God is telling us today, listen, me being with you, it's not just something that I do. Listen, it's who he is. He is Emmanuel. He's not just God, and by the way, I'm going to be here with you. That's who he is. He is a faithful God that never leaves you hanging, that never leaves you alone, that never leaves you struggling. He is a God that says, it's who I am to be with you. That's who I am. That's my name. It's, it's, it's my identity. I am a God that promises I will be there in everything that you face. I will stand with you. I will lead you. I will speak to you. I will comfort you. I will deliver you. I will do everything because I love you and I will never, ever sever that. Because I will be with you forever. That's, that's Emmanuel. 